figured we might need that since so early this morning. <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. Um, to start, I'm going to uh, read a passage of Scripture, and I'm going to read it as good as I can. Um, and I want to invite all of you to take a posture just of listening um, and be open to where, what phrases might catch your attention, um, what words might stick out for you as I read this, um, dare we say where the Holy Spirit might stop you um, as you hear the scriptures today. And I'd like to get into the passage that we're in, in Matthew chapter 16, um, in that way. So feel free to close your eyes, feel free to stare at something. Um, just whatever posture is, is best for you to um, just hear the word of the Lord today. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples... Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sturdily ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? This is the word of the Lord. Turn to someone right next to you. 
um, and if you're comfortable, share with them what, what caught your attention in that story. Um, maybe it was an aspect, a character, a phrase, a word. Um, real quick, turn to someone and share what it is that caught your attention. All right, let's, uh, let's hear a couple of things. What, uh, what caught one another's attention um, as you heard this passage read? Anybody? Yeah, go on. Others, what stood out, a word, a phrase, something about the story? Yeah, Tiff. hope for us all because of Peter. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I was in high school, my, our youth group got invited to go on a, a trip um, with, a, with, a, with a youth group from a Catholic parish um, in L.A. And actually, Roth was on this trip with me. We were, this is a long, long time ago. Um, and uh, we went on this trip, and the trip was a... Uh, um, to go to Colorado to see the Pope, John Paul II. And I think, I think they may have tried to help us understand what we were getting ourselves into, but it was to no avail because I was, the whole experience was just this, um, 
I guess just an amazing experience of like learning new things and being surprised um, by a different religious tradition um, than our own. And we, you know, we made great friends and got to know these these high schoolers from from the LA area. Um, but I'll never forget when we were in Colorado when the Pope arrived, and um, he was close. He 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 was close to us, and and the the fervor and the energy and the just this awe that came over the the people who had traveled there to be around him um, it's almost palpable um, it was certainly observable um, and what it was a, it was a deep experience for me and hilariously and, and maybe inappropriately um, some camera people were like um, interviewing students after this um, and somehow they landed on our group, not knowing that we were uh, not all Catholics. And, uh, and I got to speak for all of Catholic youth around the world um, <laughs> as I got interviewed uh, about this experience. Um, but it was, a, it was a powerful kind of um, just, just understanding and appreciation for, um, for the Catholic faith. Uh, I think I mentioned it a few weeks back, Ari's family was in town from Italy, and her cousin, um, Angela, was telling us about a time when she went downtown to Caserta, where they live in Italy, which is just south of Rome, kind of near the Amalfi Coast, for any geography buffs. Um, and she was downtown, Caserta, where she lives, and all of a sudden there was this hustle and bustle, and she looked, and there was these crowds gathering, a um, little bit of security, maybe not as, many, as much as you would expect. And right there within her sight was Pope Benedict. Um, and she was just kind of starstruck, really. Um, and came to find out later that he was in town to have tea with his friend, who was a Protestant evangelical pastor in Caserta, and they were just getting together to have, to have tea. Um, awesome. Um, this story, it's been written about maybe more than almost any passage of scripture. And it's connected to um, the papacy and, and the hopes and the convictions and um, just deep belief about the church of, of Jesus Christ. Um, and it starts out so like promising, right? Um, who do people say that I am? Well, you're, or the son of man is. You're Elijah, Moses, Jeremiah, prophet. Yeah. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah. And as I read this, this time, I, I even almost feel like Jesus going, yeah, they're getting it, you know? <laughs> they're totally getting it. Um, and then... Jesus begins and says, I'm going to build my church upon you. You get it. And here's the keys to the kingdom. And you're going to bind and loose, which is all about forgiveness and handling conflict. In Matthew 18, in a few weeks, we'll look at that. Um, like the role of Peter and all that the papacy holds for, for our Catholic brothers and sisters for the church, is not necessarily like, oh, we all think the same. It's 
binding and loosing. It's doing the good work of forgiveness and conflict and repentance that leads towards reconciliation. Like the keys of the kingdom are held within this, this practice. Um, we'll say more about this in a little bit. And Peter's like, yes. And so the passage goes on in... Here's that whole part. Um, and it says, from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples... I love that. The word show just stood out at me when I was reading this. It's not that Jesus like sat them down on a mountain and began to teach them um, about this. It's Jesus began to show them. I would love to know what that looked like. Um, I would love to see. Um, maybe he's pointing out aspects of their ministry in his life. I, I don't know. But he began to show them what it meant for him to be the Messiah. And it's as if Peter was like, wait a minute, I'm the rock. I've been given the keys of the kingdom. I must do something about this nonsense, right? And he pulls Jesus to the side and begins to tell him like, no, 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 that's not what it's about. That's not what being a Messiah is. Suffering, dying, being raised. From the dead that that's not what we're going for here you're going to bum out your followers you know we got to get better we got to get on message here jesus right um and jesus like jeff and tiff pointed out jesus rebukes him and says get me get behind me you tempter that's the word there um, i wonder i think jesus was really tempted I think there was something in what was happening there that could really bring some real temptation to Jesus. Same people you just talked with. What, what might the temptations of Jesus be? What might he be tempted with to become king yes go deeper what 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 are parts of of that might be tempting for him might be tempting for us um, as we think about god's kingdom does that make sense go for it
All right, let's come back together. We're going to do a few of these quick breakouts today. What, based in this kind of passage, what might be the temptations or some of the temptations that Jesus is facing? What, what is he, what, what's coming up in him as he's saying to Peter, hey, get, get behind me, you're tempting me. Yeah, Anthony. No, not just you. It's a temptation to um, crush. Sabbath. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Jordan. just gave the keys to the kingdom to this guy, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 yeah, Nancy. Power, wealth, influence, you know, esteem, all that. Yeah. Kingship, yes, but what does that hold, right? I mean, all the stuff that a lot of our lives aspire to, right? Deep down. Um, I think it was a temptation to accept the world the way it is. 
And what I mean by that is like, that, the, that the, the logic of the world is um, the only option. The victory comes from crushing, right? That, that the future is secured by a particular type of, of leadership or king. Um, there's a temptation there, I think, to go, yeah, you're right. This is too wild. This is, this is not going to work. connected with this this whole this word has been like I don't know what it is but this word has been like in me lately this not that I want to triumph but like that we see this triumphalism in our culture um, and everywhere I turn it's there and I'm, I'm like teaching my kids it and I'm like and don't even mean to be and um Gabe Cabrera and I were at the beach day a few weeks back talking about parenting and a couple of our kids and we're like, they just want to win at everything. And we're like, I know, where did they get that from? <laughs> you know? Um, and like, no matter what we do to try to like reshape, you know, these motives and desires, it's just there. And of all the good that can come from like certain activities that we do and, 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 and things of that nature, there's this like need to triumph, whether it's an argument or a game, whether it's flipping through Instagram pictures of someone's ideal moment and thinking, I could do that better. I could do a better trip. I could pack a better lunch, you know? <laughs> uh, that was a real story. Uh, um, this, like, need to triumph. I think that was a temptation, potentially, for Jesus. Um, he goes on and he says, Peter, you're thinking about human things and not divine things. And here's what I don't want you to do in this. Don't think human bad, divine good. All right? Don't think good and bad for now. Um, think human, honest, real, and divine as seems to be suggested in this passage. Suffering, death, resurrection. Um, how would you describe, to the best ability, what Jesus means by this? Like, what are some different ways you might say to someone, hey, what does Jesus mean by human things and divine things? Like, what's the difference? Again, not good and bad. Can't use that. What's the difference going on as we read this passage? This is a hard question. Give it a shot. Go for it. 
how might we distinguish, what is, how might Jesus, more importantly, distinguish um, between human things, not bad things necessarily, there's plenty of bad things you could name, but human things and divine things. Share something that your neighbor said and you thought, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> I overheard this day and Nicole talking about the, the, the difference of time and eternal life and what's referenced often and how as people we don't have that concept, we can't access it really. Uh. Like my life, physically, my experience of it is not eternal by any means. And in theory, after that, who knows? <laughs> Yeah, a sense of eternity. That's yeah, that's great. Others. Yeah. Talk a little bit about uh, the, the human view that there has to be a winner and a loser, it's a zero sum, like yeah. scarcity model. That in order for for me to win, somebody else has to lose. Whereas Jesus goes through life and through ministry, telling all these parables that people are like, I don't even get it. Like. Mm. Yeah. I'll let that Naomi use the word imagination um, because when I thought about this question, if you've ever seen the TV series Stranger Things, that's kind of the imagination process that I started to go towards and thinking how artists and um, people who have access to like a wide imagination usually offer us some sort of One more. Anybody? Yeah, Abby. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. Thanks, Abby. Um, I think as um, humans, we 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 think about ascending a lot. Maybe and maybe maybe that's Western culture primarily, but um, uh, moving up, moving forward. Accomplishing, um, not not bad things, but it's it's a it's a gut kind of movement for us ascension. And Jesus in this story demonstrates a messiahship of descending um, into the ground. Humanity, and this linked with time, I think, what was shared over here, but our, our instinct is to grasp on, right? To grasp and control our bank account, our future, our kids' activities and behaviors, our, you know, our reputation. Um, and Jesus seems to release that into the hands of God. I, yeah. Again, don't, don't think about bad and good throughout these. Just, just ways of life. Um, we take for ourselves. And, and appropriately so sometimes. Um, and, and Jesus just constantly seems to be giving away from himself. Constantly. Um, divine things, human things. Um, and in this passage, there, Jesus talks about if you lose your life, you will find it. Um, I think that's in a, res in, a, in a reference to the resurrection. Um, and a human way of going thing is to take our life, right? Get this thing in control. Um, and there's lots of reasons to do that. It's not a bad thing. Um, and God, um, just in Christ, seems to say, if you want to... Find your life. Uh, you'll lose it for my sake. Um, that's a vulnerable place um, to be. Uh, and then you think about like creation. Think about we talk about seeds a lot around here. Seeds is a good example. Something that has to die to grow. I've been reading this book on astrophysics. Um, it, it's called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. Um, and I bought it in an airport. <laughs> so, um, and I'm just not smart when it comes to this kind of stuff. But it's probably the most simple astrophysics book ever. And I've had to reread things like, all right, what's that? Like, help me land that in the world here. I just want to read this part to you. This is so interesting to me. Loosely related, 
highly entertaining in my mind. Um, for the first billion years, the universe continued to expand and cool as matter gravitated into the massive concentrations we call galaxies. Nearly a hundred billion of them formed, each containing hundreds of billions of stars that undergo thermonuclear fusion in their cores. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> those stars with more than about 10 times the mass of the sun achieve sufficient pressure and temperature in their cores to manufacture dozens of elements heavier than hydrogen. And it goes on. Including those that compose planets and whatever life may thrive upon them. These elements, this is where I want us to get here, would be stunningly useless were they to remain where they formed. But high mass stars fortuitously explode, scattering their chemically enriched guts throughout the galaxy. And after nine billion years of such enrichment in an undistinguished part of the universe, in an undistinguished galaxy, in an undistinguished region, yes, sounds like Star Wars, an undistinguished star, the sun, was born. And then billions of years later, after like things flying in space are no longer, planets are able to smooth, and somehow the Earth has this thing called the ocean um, where life arose. But it wouldn't happen unless this star exploded, died. I asked Caleb, I'm like, have you learned about this stuff in school? And he's like, yeah, we're stardust. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll preach. <laughs> um, um, this is a great little book. At the, at the end of this chapter, he says, and this is where religious people, sometimes self-righteous, will say that God, you know, and then give some other options. Um, but, but this dying towards life is built right into the history of, of the universe. So the last question, and we're going to get interrupted by children here shortly. Don's, Don's reflection. All right. Taking up your cross. Um, what does that look like for you? My, my response to, to Don, I wanted to say, and I'm going to say that now. Like, maybe if our response is, I'm so tired, maybe we're doing it, right? Maybe we're, we're doing the work that God's called us to do take up our cross. Um, maybe there's things we need to let go of, you know. Um, I'm not saying that for Don and that for me, because <laughs> I definitely connect with that. But what does it look like to take up our cross and follow the God who is about descending, releasing, um, dying, that resurrection might happen? Share with each other real quick. Go for it. All right, let's come back together. What does taking up the cross of 
of the God who releases and descends and gives of um, God's self. What does that look like for us today? Any thoughts? Chase. towards something that you don't know how to want yet. Yeah. And I think that has to be that too. Yeah. Yeah, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. What's your name? Jazz. Jazz. Nice to meet you. Thanks. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. 
I think it's hard um, it's hard to get away from the loosing and binding that Jesus gives to Peter and the loosing and binding that Jesus talks about in Matthew 18 that's coming up and that's for another week but that has all everything to do with honesty, truth-telling, repentance, confession, and moves toward reconciliation and forgiveness. And it's interesting to me that at the beginning of the church is, thanks be to God, Peter's failure. Right? The church begins with God's faithfulness, Here's the keys to the kingdom. You're the rock. And that rock immediately fails. And to me, there's great hope in that. Um, Not in my own strength, in my own power, my own capacity to name and carry a particular cross. um, But that God's faithfulness um, will be with us no matter what, witness to God's kingdom will be evident with or without us. Um, So it's living in and among ourselves, um, a world that's broken, I think. Um, We just had a little social media scare with one of our children. I will, I say to defend their reputation, they were quite honorable in this little chat group that our, the parents discovered, so I was proud of them. Um, I say that more just to keep the like, ooh, which one was involved in that bad, you know. Um, we had all these great conversations with the parents and the kids, and um, it, was a mo- it, was a, it was a really amazing kind of moment of transformation, I think, for some of the kids. And afterwards, me and Ari are like, should we just get rid of these phones? I mean, should we just throw them in the trash, you know? And we had this conversation of like, yeah, I get that instinct. And we would have missed out on this amazing, hard experience over the last two weeks about some very important topics that these kids, all of them, needed to, to think about and learn. Um, so I don't know if it means to get rid of the phones or not, but I, but I know that this stuff is, is living in the real world. Um, it's a way of peace and nonviolence, and, and I think this starts with conflict resolution. Like our church, we aspire to jump to kind of social um, conflict, social um, stances which I'm, I completely believe in and we need to learn how to do those by doing conflict here um, among friends and loved ones loosing and, and binding Jesus seems to give up power for the sake of love um, I think there's something um, yeah, there's something there to sit with. 
The last thing I want to end is just a quote from, from Richard Rohr, and then we're going to come to the table. He takes this passage. He's a Catholic priest. Today's Catholic day at, at uh, Mountainside. Um, that was funny. Yeah, come on. Yeah, all right. Um, he takes this quote, and he talks about how we spend our lives, and these kids who are walking in right now, they spend their lives moving from one thing to the next. Kindergarten, first grade, second grade. You finish elementary school and you don't graduate, you promote, right? And then you go to junior high and then they do that. And then they don't graduate, they promote, right? Anna, can I get an amen? Yeah. Um, and then they get to high school and they finally get to graduate. And then maybe they go on to a college or a trade school or whatever, but they do something to prepare themselves to get a degree or certificate so that they can get a job. And then after you get a job, you can get, you know, the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And all throughout that are like friendships and these roles that we play. Um, teacher. Skater. Um, robotics. Jock. You know, whatever. We, artist. We, we play these roles all throughout. And there, there's these friendships and these attachments and these roles are super important to kind of our sense of self and who, who we're becoming. And again, not in a bad or a good way, Richard War I think, gives a, a helpful reminder working with this passage that means so much more than just this. But, but I think this is a part of it. When he says, there's a necessary suffering that cannot be avoided, which Jesus calls losing our very life. Or losing what I and others call the false self. Your false self is your role, title, personal image. That's largely a creation of your own mind and attachments. It will and must die in exact correlation to how much you want the real. Such necessary suffering will always feel like dying, which is what good spiritual teachers will tell you about very honestly. This is a slice of a very big pie. Um, but I think one that's also helpful to think about as we try to navigate our hopes and expectations that we embrace, that people put on us um, to allow God to shed those um, towards kind of who we are, um, who God made us to be um, from the very beginning. God, we're going to come to your table um, and um, for this moment so that we might live this way and want this way more and more, um, we give our life to you. We release our future to you. Um, we want to descend with you. Um, 
that you might raise us to new life. And so, God, we pray that um, you would show us, like you did your disciples, um, what it means to follow you, to take up our cross and follow you, to, to give up our lives for your sake, that we might find them. Uh, that you would, you would show us that in your sacrament at this table. Thank you, God, that your church began with someone not getting it. Thank you for um, your faithfulness to your church. Um, we welcome you um, as you gather us in this place. It's the name of Christ that we ask. Amen.